0: trading not episode 51
1: master the science master the rules of trading and there are plenty of rules that are you know, that have passed the test of time before you begin to trade by more of an intuitive style the market's going to do something your job is not to fight it the market never ever runs away it's always there that personal diary of trading
0: What's up, traders? Welcome to another installment of the Trading Nut Podcast. I'm your host, Cam Hawkins, and today we've got Dr. Thomas Carr on the show. Now we've got a fantastic interview with Dr. Thomas, and I tell you what, he goes into so much detail about his whole career. We talk about cryptocurrency, we talk about uh, trading stocks, we even talk about investments and how to sort of pick those investments and and manage them. Real detailed interview and then we jump on and he actually, oh no, we don't jump on, he's given me a video to put up on the channel that's something he recorded just for the trading in our audience so you can see that on the YouTube channel after the show, head over there, I'll put a link in the description as well. Now before we get into that interview there was something that in the last week happened to me which was, was slightly different from what I normally do, uh, I actually, well I'm involved in another podcast and I mentioned that at the end of last week's or the last show so I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that now. Now, look, it's not a promo for the podcast. It's it's a completely different audience. I'm in it with a few other guys, and in fact, I wasn't even interviewing in this one. I will be doing it in future ones, and I'll let you know what it is once once it go live goes live in in maybe two or three weeks' time. Now, the thing with this is, I got we got to interview, what well, uh, somebody who was at the very top of their game back in the day. So they played in the English uh, Premier League. That's the soccer league if you if you're unfamiliar with it um, played in one of the top teams there for many many years got to interview the guy he's actually there's a photo of him up on the telegram group uh, so if you're not in the telegram group jump over there onto tradingnut.com there's a link to that you can get in there have a look at me taking a photo of the guy uh, whilst we're doing the interview now he was in the room which makes a big difference when you're I suppose sucking up from sucking up information I mean we hear this information today you know on the on the podcast you're going to hear today from dr thomas Carr. he's going to give us a whole bunch of knowledge just you know you'll be able to suck it all up the problem is because it's digital it's so much harder to do and it's in a roundabout way for whatever reason there's just that you're missing that we're missing that energy and i think being in the room with somebody of that caliber in the last week was fascinating because he wasn't just talking about his career and and the highlights and low lights and all that sort of stuff but it was what you got out of it was the, the mindset that he had as a not just a person but a player and how that mindset could be trans transferred to pretty much anything in life and in particular into what you're doing with your trading his view was like he wanted to be the best and he would do whatever he could do to become the best and that would mean you know he'd be playing alongside other superstars finding out what they're doing like, you know, trying to learn from them, asking them questions, asking them why, why, why. Uh, then, like, when he f- you know found even more superstars, guys that are even higher up in the game than him, he'd be, like, looking what they're doing and modelling what they're doing, um, asking questions, being really inquis- inquisitive. And then when those setbacks came, he wouldn't stop and go, oh, God, I've got an injury, the career's over, job done. It was like, I'm, how do I get over this? How do I How do I move forward? It was always about moving forward, never looking at it, from a, I suppose, a, a, a pessimistic view, it was always optimism the whole way through. So these sort of things, I think, res- it should resonate with you as a trader, even if it's not. I suppose it's something we've heard on the show before, where if you know, if you t- treat trading as a professional sport, um, as do a lot of the professional traders out there who are making money, then things actually might start becoming you might start becoming more successful or at least finding success quicker. Um, that means practicing. That means um, taking it seriously. That means, you know, being diligent about who you learn from, trying to find those mentors who are going to teach you what to what to learn next, as we're going to get here from today from Dr. Thomas Carr. So not just sort of listening to this once. I mean, somebody, well, actually an ex-guest of the show posted in the group the fact that he'd listened to, That Larry Williams interview that I mentioned in the last week's show, he'd listened to it three times. So that's the commitment, that's the dedication that you need to do if you want to be at the top of this game as a a trader. Just to put things into perspective, especially if you're a newbie who's just starting to listen to the show and it's the first show you're listening to. Anyway, enough from me. Um, Before I let you go, I do want to let you know I've got another robot going up into the Robot Traders Club uh, today. It's a nice little strategy, for, actually it won't be today, it'll be today, but when you're listening to this, if it's, if it's on the day that it goes live, it's probably been in there for a week. Uh, it's a nice little strategy submitted by one of the members, now the way it works is if you're a member, submit a strategy, if, it's got, if it looks good, I'll build it into a trading robot, put it up there for all the members to use, and try out, test in the markets, and there's so many settings that you can configure it to however you want it to trade. Um, it's only 7 bucks to get in the door. Give it a go if you if you want to have a bit of fun, if you want to check things out, see what it's all about, see if there are, you know, if there's something in there that can either help with your trading or can automate some of the stuff that you already do. All right, guys. I think without further ado, let's get on with this interview with Dr. Thomas Carr. All right, folks, we've got Dr. Thomas Carr here on the show from Drstocks.com, and that's D-R-S-T-O-X-X, not stocks, the word that you often trade. Um, So how's it going there, uh, Thomas?
1: I'm doing fine, Cam. I'm happy to be on your show today and uh, appreciate the invite. And and where are you calling in from again today? I can't remember. Yeah, we live just outside of Washington, D.C., you know, capital city, um, and uh, in northern Virginia, which is a, a set of suburbs just outside of the city. And then we have a home as well on the beach in Florida we get down to as often as we can although not as often as we'd like oh
0: dear and I know that just at this current point in time there's another hurricane that's um ripping through is it the south of oh, Florida and sort of around that area or did it hit I, I'm not too sure well, it, didn't actually,
1: it didn't make landfall at least not yet uh it's just skirting up along the coast after destroying a lot of um the the Bahamas uh, and it looks like it might hit South Carolina, which would be north of where we are. But uh, still, we're not looking forward to that.
0: Yeah, one of the one of the rare places in the states that I've actually been to is South Carolina. Funnily enough, um, ah. I had a friend that lived in Myrtle Beach, so I was I went there for You're a sure? couple of days once in my yeah. life. Um, <laughs> bypassed the rest of the country just to do that. Now, right. Today, we're going to sort of get to know you a bit, find out your story, and dive into some of the stuff that you're doing around your trading. So, um, do you want to start off by telling us how you got started in this?
1: Yeah. Well, like a lot of uh, people that are interested in trading, I have no financial experience whatsoever. <laughs> my, my, uh, I have I've lots of education, but it has nothing to do with economics or finance or business. Um, I'm a philosopher and theologian by training with master's degrees and a doctorate and uh, taught at university for 17 years. Um, and, of course, a professor, you know, doesn't really make a whole lot of money, uh, just enough to get by. And I, I wanted my wife to not have to work if she didn't want to, and she was wanting to homeschool our kids. So I uh, thought, well, training sounds like a – a great way to make some extra income and and be able to uh, afford the, the single income so that my wife could stay at home. And uh, so in 1996, I opened up a little trading account with some extra money that I earned from teaching summer school. And that's one of the things I always tell new traders is only uh, use money when you're starting out, only use money you can afford to lose. And that, of course, was our case. It was just extra money. We weren't really counting on it. And uh, started trading in 1996 and did horrible first year, did horrible the second year. (laughs) And it was finally after two years of just not knowing what I was doing and losing all kinds of money, um, you know, all of that extra summer school money, that I decided to buckle down and really learn what trading was about. So I spent about three years uh, reading everything I could, taking webinars, uh, doing Courses, uh, online courses as well as on-site courses. I did some private coaching with a fellow whose name I won't mention because he was later indicted for fraud, but (laughs) he did teach me some really good stuff. And after about three years of, uh, you know, mostly breaking even, um, I've started to turn profitable consistently. And that was uh, around the year 2000. I joined an online community back in 2000, it was an investing thread, uh, discussion thread, you know, before the days of Facebook and Twitter and Stock Twits, and uh, built a, a, a little community there of interested traders where we shared uh, strategies and knowledge with each other. We learned a lot from each other. And it became very popular, that thread, one of the top um, threads on that particular service. And so in 19 – sorry, in 2002, October 2002, I decided to launch our first website and my first advisory letter to, to, just to share uh, knowledge of what I was learning about trading with the wider community. And uh, that letter kind of took off it started to have a life of its own. And we went overnight to about uh, 300 subscribers and just kind of grew from there. Um And uh, 2007, I was asked by McGraw-Hill to write a book on trading, so we did that. And much to my surprise, much to McGraw-Hill's surprise, I think, it became a big bestseller. It's been translated into Chinese and German and Japanese and Korean and so on. And uh, so after uh, a few more years of just selling this one advisory product, Uh, We branched out and launched a couple new letters and uh, some trading training materials, resources, webinars, manuals, uh, private coaching service. And then in um, 2014, I came out with a second book. 2015, came out with a third book. And uh, last year, published the second edition of the first book, the first best-selling book, which I consider to be my best book. So if anyone is interested in learning how I trade, uh, really on a step-by-step fashion, I would recommend the second edition of Trend Trading for a Living. You'll find that on Amazon and most bookstores. Um, mm. But yeah, that's kind of where we're at today. Now, you know, I, I do a lot of trading myself. I manage a, a, an online um, day trading room where I give out my my stock picks uh in live version, as well as uh the advisory products that we send out each evening to our members, but yeah that's kind of where we're at today wow and uh
0: i want to dive back into uh into that time between your break even and becoming consistently profitable i mean what happened there was there was there anything that or a progression or can you can you sort of bring us back to that those moments
1: yes um well, I, I, you know, I was making every mistake, every newbie mistake in the book during the, my first two years of very uh, horrible trading, you know, where I was just losing right and left. And so I began to whittle down and I learned the uh, technical side of trading, which helped with sort of managing, you know, where you're going to put your stops and where it is best to take profits um, the, the position management side of things was a real big uh, improvement in terms of my consistency as a trader. And, uh, and, and the other thing that I think really turned me around in addition to position management was um, kind of developing a specialty in a particular uh, uh, setup. And I became a specialist in what I would just call a simple pullback setup. So uh, the analysis of a price trend, uh, volume analysis, um, identifying when a pullback in the trend is just about to turn higher again, in other words, when that trend is about to resume, those were all things that I really f- drilled down on, really focused on. And I, I kept track of every single trade that I made. I wrote down the reasons why I was making the trade, um, when things didn't work out, I tried to figure out what went wrong. You know, did I make a bad read on the chart? Did I miss something in the volume? Those kinds of things. And it was that, you know, over a period of three years, really streamlining my focus on to a single trading setup, I think, in addition to learning position management principles, those were the keys to my, my turnaround. And
0: and how did you get to that point where you sort of realized that, okay, I've got to focus on a single trading setup versus multiple different things?
1: Well, uh, I I think it was actually something that my wife said to me because uh, I was telling her a little bit about my trading one day and was describing that, you know, I, I tried this particular system for a couple of weeks and it was doing great initially and then it stopped working so I tried a second system which started great, and then it stopped working, and then I went on to a third system and a fourth system, and she, she finally said to me, you've got to stop changing your system. If you find a system that is working, you've got to stick with it, even through those periods where you do go through drawdowns, and every system will, will have that experience. And she was right. I, I really needed to uh, to specialize in and master a single trading system instead of trying to you know, find the next hottest system, and and getting frustrated with the system I was using, and moving on to something new. Uh, that that uh, single-minded consistency was a big a big uh, plus. So it was really her question. You know, why are you changing so often? It got me thinking.
0: And and I suppose drilling down into into what you're actually doing. I mean, what how how are you how are you I suppose how me, how mechanical was it, and how much of a sort of intuitive, like, I've done this enough times I can recognize a good thing, uh, a good setup versus a bad setup mm-hmm. that it have become?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. And I would say it's, I mean, I've always told my coaching clients this, that trading is a mix of both science and art. But I always say this too, that you need to learn the science first, master the science, master the rules of trading. And there are plenty of rules that are that have passed the test of time before you begin to trade by more of an intuitive style. Um, So the, the the rules themselves are are fairly straightforward and very, very simple. If you're analyzing a trend, you would use trend uh, measuring indicators like moving averages are great ones to use or something like the MACD, the moving average convergence divergence. And, and all of these uh, tools, these indicators give you 100% objective signals. So, you know, for example, when a stochastics drops below 25 and then percentage K curls up and crosses percentage D, you've got a buy signal. And when it rises up above 75 and percentage D curls down below percentage D, you've got a sell signal. So these are 100% mechanical objective tools that you can use to learn the basics of the system, the, the the systematic side of the system. But then within the parameters of those restrictions, and, you know, you've got also things like uh, your profit-to-loss ratio, and you, you never want to take a trade that is anything less than, say, a 2.0 profit-to-loss ratio because it's just not worth taking. Um, so you've got those kinds of mechanical 100% objective Ways of structuring your trade. Within those things, you can uh, use your intuition that has been honed over years of experience. So I, I've taken in my lifetime—I don't know, maybe a hundred thousand trades. I mean, I, I'm—that's I, I, maybe too high, <laughs> but it's up there. It's several um, several thousand trades per year. I know that much and I've been trading for 22-some-odd years now. Um, so uh, with, with all of that experience, yes, there is a way in which you can rely on your, your intuition, your experience to determine, you know, eh, maybe this particular trade passes all of my objective criteria – but there's just something about it that doesn't sit right with me. I just can tell by the look of the chart. It's not going to do what I want it to do. I'm going to pass on that. Or, you know, here, here's one that doesn't quite match all the objective principles that I'm going to use to get in a trade and to manage a trade, but there's just something about that chart. I just know it's going to be going up here shortly. I'm going to get on board. So those are the kinds of decisions you can make, but I would, you know, that, that takes a lot of years of experience, and even then you're, you try to work within the rules of your system as much as you can.
0: Righty ho. Okay, cool. Well, look, let's um, let's dive into some of the stuff that you're uh, you're actually doing. So, I mean, do you want to walk through how you're? Or I suppose start off with what instruments you're trading on a regular basis.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm I'm pretty much of a stocks guy. Ninety uh, percent of my trades are in stocks. Now, I, I have a lot of experience with options, uh, stock options, that is, and index options, and I I manage a an options uh, advisory service and I do private coaching in the area of options and so on but I I'm not a big options trader myself I like to trade stocks I, I just hate time decay which is what you're always dealing with with options and although I'm primarily an options seller when I do use options uh, which of course puts time decay in your favor um, I would just rather trade the stock I don't know it's just something about the the, the underlying principle itself that I prefer to trade. But I also do almost on a daily basis, I will trade in and out of the uh, Emini e index futures contracts, which I like a lot for hedging purposes. So if I'm if I'm you know, if eighty percent of my portfolio is long and I see that, oh, the market's really kind of topping out here and looks like it's going to be pulling back for the next maybe couple of days, I'll throw on some future contracts on the short side as a way of hedging. Um, And I'll also drill down into the one-minute, three-minute, five-minute charts on those futures contracts to do a little bit of day trading just to keep my interest in it because I enjoy that. I enjoy that real short-term kind of stuff. Um, But for the most part, I'm trading stocks, and I'm trading in a swing trade time frame. So anywhere from two days to two months uh, is kind of the time frame that I work with primarily. Um, I do a lot of long-term investing as well, but that's a whole other ballgame. I have three accounts. I have my day trading account, which is fairly small. I have my primary income account, the one that I use to pay our bills and to pay our taxes and to, you know, pay the vacation travel and that sort of thing. Um, And then when that tops out at at uh, 200,000, I'll take 50,000 off the top of that and put that into our long-term investing account as a way of leveraging our long-term investments. And by long-term, I mean one year at least. Um, and that's really where real wealth is built in the market. It's in those long-term investments. If you can open up an, a retirement account, defer the taxes, and don't touch those stocks as long as you know you're you're buying quality companies. Um, that's where the real wealth is built. Uh, But my trading account, I should say, is primarily stocks with a little bit of options now and then and uh, some day trading in the, in the futures.
0: And in that, um, I mean, so do you use for your investment account, do you use the same strategy that you use for the other two?
1: Uh, No, not really. Um, I mean, I'll use technical analysis to time entry into the trade, but, for the most part, I'm relying on fundamental analysis of companies, and that's where I really drill down. I, I offer a monthly newsletter uh, called the Ickthus Letter for long-term investors, and we produce one new investment a month. So for 30 days, I'm calling up the analyst community. I'm calling executives at the company. I'm you know visiting on site if I can, but I don't usually do that. Don't have the time to do that. Um, and you know studying the balance sheets and all that stuff uh to find the best investments uh, and we've done really well uh with that but then the market's been for the most part pretty bullish too so that helps we haven't really uh you know had any major drawbacks since 2008 and uh so long-term investing has been a rather easy process but um but yeah, that's that's what I do okay. for the long term.
0: And and maybe talking about the income uh, account that you trade. I mean, what's what's the winning percentage and risk to reward ratio on most of those trades?
1: Well, the day trades. I, I'll be honest. I'm not the best day trader in the world. I just enjoy it too much to not just to stop doing it. Um, but I my win loss ratio for the day trade is just right around fifty percent. So I'm you know half of my Half of my day trades are losing trades, uh, but I keep very very tight stops, and I'm looking for about a 1.8 to 2.8 profit to loss ratio. So if if I'm trading the, you know the the Nasdaq uh, 100 E Mini, um, I might have a a seven handle stop loss, but then there would be a 14 handle, uh, 12 to 14 handle profit target. So that's kind of how I work those spreads. Um, for swing trading, I'm a bit better there, maybe low 60s percent. Actually, I know exactly what it is. It's 63% because I keep very, st- very tight statistics on all of my trades. 63% um, is my long-term track record for swing trades. Um, our profit-to-loss ratio is a bit better. It's maybe about 2.5. To, I think it's now 2.4 uh, to 1 on the swing trades.
0: Okay. And so you're doing the day trading, you're doing the swing trading. I mean, how do, what does your typical trading day look like?
1: Well, I get to my desk around 8 AM, uh, Eastern time, which is an hour and a half before the U S market opens. Um, I check the futures, I check the news, I see what's gapping overnight. Those gap trades are often really nice for day trading purposes. Um, I'll check our current opens and adjust stops as needed and any news cycle that's coming out on our open uh, swing trades. Um, At around 9 o'clock, I'll log in to the Dr. Stocks trading room and uh, chat with some of the members there and tell them what I've seen so far and give them some updates on our open positions and, and I might even, between 9 and 9.30, put on a day trade or two in the E-minis if there's something moving nicely and setting up nicely. Uh, but for the most part, it's 9.30, we're good to go. Um, I try as much as I can to have my trades already set up before the bell rings. I mean, I like to go in with a watch list of maybe 9 to 10 stocks, and three or four of them are stocks that I really, really would like to get into long or short, and I already know for the most part ahead of time at what price I'll be buying and at where I'll be putting my stop loss, where I would like to take profits before the trading even begins now all of that can change radically in the first five minutes of trading right but I like I just like to have a, a good sense of which of the eight or nine stocks on my watch list, which are the three or four that I'm really going to be focusing on. I just like to streamline my focus. Otherwise I get too um, ADD, you know, I get too, yeah. too confused with too much information. Uh, and so those are the three or four stocks that I'll focus on. And then I just watch, I just sit there and watch. I've got all the charts up, you know, four big monitors. I've got all the charts up and I'm just watching the little ticks in the one minute chart, the five minute chart, the hourly chart. Uh, I'll draw all kinds of lines, on the, the the charts for uh, primary support and resistance levels, uh, monitoring volume to see you know at what price does support get defended, and at what price are buyers waning and sellers taking over. And those are the you know the I always tell my students you got to know your levels, you got to know your levels, and those are the levels that I'll be very mindful of. And probably I don't I put on the majority of my uh, day trades after 9.45, so I've got 15 minutes there of market data after the open to judge from, um, and swing trades can go on at any time, but for the most part, they're later in the day. I like to enter trades after the lunch hour. Uh, I just find that the afternoon trading tends to be a little smoother than the those first hour or so of, of the morning session. Um, and then, uh, four o'clock bell rings, I get back into the trading room and wind down with the members, talk a little bit about how the trading went that day. I, I give them an updated list of our open swing trades with new stop losses if needed. And, um, and then I'll spend the next couple of hours working on my advisory letters and, uh, try to call it quits at about 6 PM. That's a difficult day.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. Oh, well, it sounds like you got a busy day there. Um, <laughs> All right, we're going to slightly alter the conversation and I don't know if this is even of interest to you, but I mean, have you traded or thought to trade cryptocurrencies? Do you have students that are that are out there asking you questions about it? What's your view on them?
1: Well, uh I I I'm I'm familiar with the bullish view on Bitcoin and that's the only crypto that I'm familiar with at all. And I've thrown a few trades on the GBTC, which is an—it's a proxy for Bitcoin. So you're not actually trading the Bitcoin itself. It's like an exchange-traded fund that follows the price of Bitcoin. And I haven't done very well with it. Um, those overnight gaps, as you'll find with a lot of currencies um, or any kind of a ADR or a foreign company, uh, can can just be so unpredictable so i i have no problem with someone being a long-term bull on bitcoin because it does seem like a something with a lot of potential but it's not for me it's just not for me i and and the whole forex in fact um you know i, I took this massive course on forex a few years back and learned a tremendous amount about forex and realized that there was just way too much for me to know. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I have a, a doctor from Oxford in philosophy, so it's not like I can't understand complex <laughs> material, but to to um, be able to crunch all the data coming out of two countries, let alone one country, is just too much for me. Um, and I know people that trade Forex just based on technicals alone, which is fine. I have no problem with that. But it just it just wasn't for me. I wasn't consistent enough with it. Where I, whereas I have been with stocks. So you got to know your limits when it comes to trading.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I've had a few guys on the show who started off with stocks. They did all right, and then they decided to move to Forex, and it took them like another two or three years to to really yeah. get it. Uh, so it is a different beast altogether. Um, mm. And I don't know if it's, it's easier the other way around. I'm not too sure. Uh, I haven't really looked into it, but um, that's for another day. Hey, yeah. so what – Way back in the beginning, I mean, what do you think made you different from everyone else out there who, you know, dipped their toe in the water and didn't, didn't make it happen? Why did you stick with it and why did you find success?
1: Well, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I, my motivation to stick with trading was primarily so that I could have the second income, and, uh, which would enable my wife to stay home and homeschool our kids. So, and it seemed to me, you know, my, with a with a doctorate in philosophy and theology, I wasn't really a hot commodity for. You know, I couldn't I couldn't uh, become a consultant to businesses or do a lot of the other moonlighting jobs that others do. Uh, and the whole world of e-commerce and selling product online was opening up in 2002. Nowadays, it's so much easier to just, you know, throw up a website and link up your e-commerce, uh, your, your merchant accounts and so on and begin selling on day one. Couldn't do that back then. It was a little more work, but it was opening up. And so that seemed like a natural way to go uh, to be able to provide a second income for our family. And, and then secondly, I've always had an interest in the stock market and a, and a real passion for it. Um, ever since I was a kid, I used to read books about Warren Buffett and Peter Lynch and others. And uh, and so I guess one of the things that makes me different was that strong motivation to continue even when it was tough going at the beginning. And I had a passion for it, which I think if you have a real passion for it and you're willing to sit through those long months and years even of uh, losing money, that it takes to gain that education, then you you have a very good chance of making it very good chance of making a good trader.
0: Okay. So passion's a, a massive thing, I think. And it's, it's been uh, echoed in previous interviews I've done as well. So um, guys, just think about how passionate you are, you know, do you dip in and dip out or is this something you're you're here for the long term? Now, Thinking about uh, some of the listeners out there who might be working in a day job, I mean what steps would you recommend they start taking to 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 start i suppose getting to that point where you've got an income account and you're you're taking out sort of you know enough money to pay the bills from trading stocks
1: yeah uh, that's a good question too and i I want to um, speak to those who you know, I, I get, in fact, I get emails almost on a daily basis from people interested in our services. And they'll often ask me, you know, how much money do I need to quit my day job and start trading? <laughs> well, first of all, you you need a lot of experience if you're going to trade uh, for a living, but you also need a lot of money. So you're you're not going to be quitting your day job until you have at least a six-figure account because that's the size of an account you're going to need to be able to provide even if you're just living a single life and you don't have a family to support. A six-figure account is the size of account at least that you'll need to provide yourself a stable income without having to draw down the, the principle itself. You want to be able to take money off the top. Um, but I would suggest for those that are, that are working full-time and want to try their hand at trading, that, number one, you start with real money. This whole idea of paper trading is really false. Don't even think about it. You've got to open up an account with real money. You can start with $2,000. That's usually the amount that I recommend people starting with. I myself started with two two 2500 and lost that twice. <laughs> so I know how it goes. Um, and... And start with very, very small position sizes. So with $2,500 in your account, you can start by trading only $500 per position. And even if you're only making $5, $6, $7 per trade, you are gaining valuable experience. So that's really where you need to start. You start small. You keep your position size small. And I would also recommend that while you're trying your hand at trading, that you would learn as much as you can from as many sources as you can. Uh, I must have read 40 books on trading. I took several online webinars. I took several on-site webinars. I paid several thousands of dollars in my education. And it was all very valuable stuff. I mean, granted, there are things you're going to learn from some people that, are not a good fit for your type of trading, your type of character, your personality, or even the time frame that you have to trade and those kinds of restrictions. Um, But everything that you learn from someone who's successful at trading is worth learning, definitely worth learning. So uh, start small, start with real money, take small position sizes, learn all you can, and I think those are really good ways of, of getting a good start toward trading.
0: And in terms of learning all you can, I mean, how did you personally sort of filter out what you thought wasn't valuable, or how did you get the level of trust in in your your educator or mentor that you know? Obviously, the guy the guy was um, indicted, probably not the not the best, not the most trustworthy person. But I mean, how did you yeah, how did you sort of know what to what to believe and what not to believe? Because I mean, yeah. there's a lot of conflicting information out there, and at some point, you have to sort of make a call on this stuff is valuable to me and this stuff works versus this stuff doesn't or I don't believe it. And mm-hmm. how do you sort of validate that you're not wrong in that decision making?
1: Yeah. Well, you want, to, you want to do your due diligence first on whomever you are learning from. Uh, and it's not just enough in our business to have a website that touts great performance because, well, you know. The, the, the people can fudge their performance data. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's it's un, it's un, an unfortunate thing that happens. Um, but if someone is is genuinely uh, trading for a living, and one of the ways you can tell that is is if they have a live trading room, you sit in that room for a month and see if they're making money. If they're actually making money, uh, that's one of the reasons why I have live trading room is because I want to demonstrate to people that, yeah, I'm not perfect and I do have a lot of losses, but I am consistently profitable. And if you do what I'm doing, you will learn how to trade. So um, if, if a person has a live trading room, they're consistently profitable, not always perfect, but consistently profitable, um, then that is a person that I would look to for uh, solid trading advice. Now, to, in order to sort out what's going to be a good fit for you from what isn't, you really need to think through your risk profile and the kind of personality that you have. Now, for me, I I have a pretty low risk profile, which means I'm not going to do the high risk stuff. I'm not going to put on huge position sizes in something that's very volatile. I just can't handle that kind of stress. But I, I like to have enough of a profit potential that the real slow, sluggish blue chip stocks aren't exciting to me either. So I find myself right in the middle. I trade a lot of small to mid cap stocks, but they're very liquid. They make consistent moves. I'm not looking for something that jumps up and down within a heartbeat. That just drives me crazy. Uh, But there are a lot of people that trade that kind of stuff. They trade the one second chart or the 10 second chart on, you know, some wild, Fluctuating contract like the oil or gold, and they thrive on that stuff. But that's just not for me. So you have to you have to really think through your risk profile and find someone who's able to teach you the the, the kinds of trading that fit that profile. Um, and then you have to think about your time frame. I mean, if you're working nine to five then you're going to have to find something to trade before nine or after five. And that kind of limits what you can trade. So you're going to be looking at Forex or maybe the index futures um, as opposed to stocks because you're not going to be able to trade stocks if you can't get to a computer during the nine to five period. Um, So those are the kinds of things you think about. And then once you have a sense of your risk profile and what you can trade, you find a mentor that, that is able to teach you those skills so that would be the best way of going about
0: it mm. yeah very logical i like it it's uh, it's good advice there, guys so, so take that on board now diving into a into some technicals i mean you mentioned indicate a couple of indicators before uh, what about if you if you're recommending some one of our listeners out there jump on a price chart and start doing a bit of investigation what what would you recommend
1: well there, there's so many ways of analyzing the the price chart, but you want to keep things as simple as possible, particularly if you are new to trading and don't have a lot of experience. I myself am a minimalist when it comes to analyzing charts. Uh, the only things I have on my chart, I mean, I, I, I will t- from time to time put on various indicators, but consistently when I'm eyeballing a watch list of charts for for setups. I'll have uh, a couple of moving averages. I'll have uh, either the macd or the RSI, which are the two momentum indicators that I prefer uh, and I'll have a candlestick chart with volume bars at the bottom and and that's really it when I'm eyeballing charts looking for particular setups now when I once I find a setup, I'll drill up to the weekly chart down to the intraday charts and I might add on a couple of indicators like the stochastics, which I mentioned before. Um, I also like to use what I call a moving average band, which is uh, a single exponential moving average, but set at at the high, at the low, and at the close. So you actually have three moving averages that run parallel to each other, and those bands tend to act as support and resistance as a kind of um, – I don't know how to describe it, but uh, they, they act as... Channel a channel sort of thing. Like a channel, exactly. Yeah. That's a good word for it, exactly. Um, so if, I, if I'm talking to someone who's never really traded before, then I would first ask that person to uh, focus primarily on moving averages. They're going to tell you the trend of the underlying stock. If the moving averages are moving upward from the left side of the chart to the right side of the chart, you know, you're in an uptrend. If they're moving down, you're in a downtrend. If they're flat or very choppy, mostly moving sideways, you know, you are in a trading range. And with that information right there, you're already well ahead of, you know, 80% of the (laughs) trading community, which is, you know, so focused on, on other things. You need to know whether your stock is generally trading up, generally trading down, or is caught within a trading range, a consolidation period of some sort. And then, and then you can look at individual moving averages. Like let's say, for example, the two that are most commonly used are the 20 period and the 50 period. The 20 period is fast. The 50 period is the slow moving average. If the 20 period is above the 50 period, again, you're in an uptrend. If the 20 is below the 50, you're in the downtrend. If the 20 is popping up and down above and below the 50 period moving average, you're in a trading range. All of this, by the way, I spell out in my book, uh, Trend Trading for a Living, both first and second editions. And I give, some, I give a little test there on how to determine uh, uptrend, downtrend, trading range. And I divide those into five different styles. So you have strong uptrend, weak uptrend, trading range, strong downtrend, strong uh, weak downtrend all based on the 20 and the 50 period moving average. Okay. Interesting. Yeah.
0: Cool. Look, that's uh there's a lot there's a lot going on there so uh a lot of a lot of the stuff that uh, if somebody's looking to to jump on a price chart, I suppose the good thing that I I sort of took away there was and what some other people may I suppose yeah, early on in your trading career, you'll hear about oh, moving average crossover bang, I'm in. And what you're saying is it's part of a wider puzzle, um, and a much wider puzzle, wider than you could probably even even imagine. So it's yeah. Whereas I think people go, oh great, yeah, it crosses over. I'm I'm in the I'm in for the sell, and or I'm in for the buy, and and uh, all of a sudden it doesn't work, and it's like oh moving average, moving moving average indicators don't work, full stop. And that's where they sort of draw the line, line in the sand, and move on from it, never to look at it again. Whilst I suppose it's just perspective really when it comes down to it isn't it
1: yeah, yeah by the time you get a crossover and the moving averages it's too late so yeah. you want to you anticipate crossovers or ride the trend that's already in place um, one other tip I would give to new traders if you're looking at those two moving averages the 20 and the 50 um, as I said one of my specialties is in pullbacks you want to you want to find a stock where that is in an uptrend where the price has pulled back to between the 20 and the 50. If it tags the 50 and pushes off, all the better. That's really a great entry signal. Um, If it just hovers in between the 20 and 50, kind of consolidates there for a little bit, then you're going to want to look for a candle that closes above the last three or four candles. That would be your entry price, your entry signal. Um, Or you can throw a stochastics indicator on the chart. And use that as your entry. So if it dips below 25 or even 20, and then you get that bullish crossover of the percentage K above percentage D, that would be your entry signal. There are all sorts of ways of determining entry signal. But you, you can't just buy a stock in an uptrend. You've got to wait for the uh, a lower risk entry, and then you put your stop loss so maybe below the 50-period moving average and then trail that up as the, as the trade matures. Okay.
0: Cool. Great advice there. Great advice. Right, we're going to jump into the quick fire round here uh, to to help the listeners understand what it takes to become a successful trader. So, are you ready for it? Yes, hit me. <laughs> Righty-ho. Um, so, first question is, how long did it take you to go from newbie to consistently profitable?
1: Well, I mentioned that at the beginning. The uh, first two years, so, uh, lost money. In fact, in my uh, first book, Trend Trading for a Living, I narrate um, the worst trade ever, which I, I'll get to in a moment, because I think you're going to ask that one too. Yeah. But uh, for, first two years unprofitable. The next three years uh, consistently uh, break even. I would say uh, you know a little bit of a loss in a first year after the first two law lo- uh, first two years, and then the next two years were pretty close to break even, and and then it just started to take off from there. So five years altogether. Which I guess I'm kind of a low, slow learner because most people learn. More quickly than that. <laughs>
0: What's your mental approach to trading? And do you have any special techniques you can share with us?
1: That's a great question. And I would have to say the most important thing I, I try to get this across to all my coaching clients and my dating, day trading room uh, members is you have to be detached from profit and loss. So it's so easy. I've suffered with this for years myself until I kind of mastered this. It is so easy to think of yourself as a bad guy when you take a bad loss and to think of yourself as being a good guy when you take a big profit. You know, when you take a horrible loss or a series of losses or you go through a several week drawdown, you can feel like a total loser. And then you, you, know, you have a great winning streak, and you think, oh, man, I'm on top of the world. The whole world is opening up. I'm going to be you know, buying the big mansion or whatever. You have to detach yourself from profit and loss, detach your identity from profit and loss. Instead, you're going to evaluate yourself as a trader based on how well did I obey my system. If I take a loss in a day or if I have a drawdown, but I obeyed my system, I'm good. That, that, that's a good thing. I'm, I'm doing great as a trader. And if I obey all the rules of my system and I'm profitable, that's all the better. If I don't obey the rules of my system and I'm profitable, that is not good. I'm not a good trader doing that. So detach yourself from profit and loss and attach your identity as a trader, not your personal identity. That's a whole different thing. But attach your identity as a trader to how well did I obey the rules of my system, and that's it.
0: Superb advice, superb. Uh, what's your favorite entry setup?
1: Now, as I said before, the pullback uh, setup is my favorite. It's the very first system that I learned. It's one that I only traded exclusively. Not, I'm, I'm a system builder. So I've built over 30 different trading systems, and some are breakout, some are continuation, some are mean reversion and so on but of all the systems i've created the simple pullback is my favorite and and again it's pretty much what i mentioned earlier uh with the moving averages and then an oscillator like stochastics to determine oversold condition and looking at candlesticks to determine your your entry price it's it's all rather simple stuff but yeah that's that's my favorite setup
0: what strategies do you use to exit or manage active trades?
1: Well, I always look at my stop loss first. So I'm going to determine my stop loss. And by the way, stop loss should always determine your position size. So you, you, you first plot your stop loss on the chart. In fact, you should know this before you even enter the trade. And then you determine from your entry to the stop loss, um, how much can I afford to lose? Uh, I, I have a maximum loss amount Per trade, it's actually pretty small compared to my account size. I just don't like to lose a lot of money, and and that will determine my position size. So you have to determine your stop loss first, and then a, a good rule of thumb is just double that for your target. But I do a little more sophisticated uh, process than that. I, I look at you know trend lines and Fibonacci uh, retracements and so on to determine the most probable place where the stock is going to top out. And that will be my target area. And again, if, if it's not anything, at least like a two to one profit to loss ratio, I'm, I'm not even going to look at the trade.
0: What's your recommended trading book?
1: <laughs> well, I could say my own. It's excluding your own. <laughs> I think we talked about that. Um, <laughs> I do. I do recommend it. But uh, I'll tell you what my favorite trading book is, and the one that I've read several times now. Uh, I'm a big fan of William O'Neill, Investors Business Daily, um, Investors.com, the Marketsmith charting software, the whole package. I'm actually a partner with IBD, uh, and that's not because um, I'm anybody special, but I just, I'm just i very passionate about their service. William O'Neill's book, How to Make Money in Stocks, it's one of the best-selling books of all time. Um, is a brilliant system. My own understanding of the fundamentals of a company come right out of that book. In addition to some other things too, but eighty percent of what I do comes out of his work. Um, it's a very inspirational book, and it, it's really the best. It's much better than my book. So if you if you only can afford one book, then you want to buy William O'Neill's book.
0: Uh, If there was one thing you'd recommend any retail retail trader spend the next month mastering, what would it be, why, and how could they go about mastering
1: it? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Well, it's been said many times by many better traders than myself that position management is the key to consistent profits. There are three there are three keys to consistency in trading. One is your uh, uh, your profit-to-loss ratio per trade. So are your winners bigger than your losers? Um, second is the win ratio, which my win ratio I don't think is all that good, but I, where I'm a winning trader is my size of profits to losses is, is pretty good. And then thirdly is uh, how many days in a row are you – making money versus how many days in a row are you losing money? How many weeks in a row? How many profitable months have you had in a row? You know, that those are the three keys to consistency and um, the way that you're going to improve in all three of those areas is mastering position management by position management. I mean the position size that you're putting on, how many shares are you buying? How much money do you have at risk? in any individual trade. And that's a function of, uh, both position size and where you set your stop loss. And then the exit strategy, how are you going to determine when to get out of the trade? You know, your stop loss can take you out. And I always recommend people just let the stop take you out of the trade. Don't don't overthink it, but exiting the trade is a little bit more of a finesse move, a little more nuance going on there. Um, and it, a simple two-to-one profit ratio is a good rule of thumb to, to follow, but there, there are better ways of doing it too. So manage, uh, sorry, learn position management, that would be number one for sure.
0: What's your preferred broker and trading platform?
1: I've been with inter, inter, uh, interactive brokers since 1996, so I'm probably one of their longest-lasting customers. I don't know. Um, it's not the best platform out there. It's not as user-friendly as some other things that I've tried. I mean, I also have an ETrade account that I use for long-term stuff. Um, but it is a, a very robust platform for active traders, and they have an excellent commission structure. It's very cheap to get in and out. They have the highest uh, interest rate on uninvested cash, which means you know, you're, you're going to be adding a little bit of cushion to your trading if you're not fully invested all the time, uh, they have the lowest margin rates by far. I mean, their margin rate is like half of what all the other brokers are. Um, They also pay you if you're willing in your long positions to lend out shares to the short sellers. And the way they do that is you never even see your shares go out. Uh, They're just being lent out kind of behind the scenes. And so you get um, some some, uh, interest on that. So between that and the cash interest and any dividends coming in, um, I have a pretty healthy little cash flow going there, Um, (laughs) which effectively, it it certainly overcomes my trading commissions, which can be quite high because I'm very active. Um, So, yeah, I would say uh, interactive brokers I like a lot.
0: I didn't even know they they offered those services. Um, Now, we're into that question. So the worst trade you mentioned it earlier. Looking forward to hearing this story.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, it was the first year of trading, and you know, I didn't know what I was doing at all. I didn't, knew nothing about technical analysis, nothing about fundamental analysis. I got on a chat site, and everybody was talking about this little company, small-cap company, trading around $2 a share that had a proprietary technology that would turn um, salt water into drinking water. And as well as other kinds of stuff, like sewage water into drinking water. I mean, it's crazy stuff. Yeah. Now, and, and then the rumor was that the CEO of the company was going to be on the nightly news that night and everybody was expecting the stock to skyrocket. So I bought, I, I had 2,500 in my account from my, um, my summer school money. I put it all, 1,000 shares, or at least 1,200 shares or so, on that $2 stock. And by the time it closed that day, it was up $4. So I'd already doubled my money, and I thought, man, this is the easiest thing in the world. (laughs) And then the news comes on, and it wasn't the CEO of the company that I bought. It was the CEO of their competitor. That was the first problem. And then the second problem was the CEO had to say that the product was not even going to come to market for at least 10 years because the technology wasn't there, and they couldn't scale it and all those sorts of things. So – by the time the stock opened up the next day, and there was no pre-market trading in those days, it was half the price of what I bought it. It went from $4 down to $1 overnight. And I got out as quick as I could, and I think I got $0.80 cents a share for it. Big, big loss. So I learned my lesson. And I learned don't trade on rumor. Don't trade on someone else's uh, you know, stock twit uh tweet you know, don't, don't do those kinds of things because that it will just lead to ruin
0: uh right last question of the quickfire round so if you could could you leave our listeners with one piece of advice what would it be
1: oh boy that's a good one um i would say uh i'm going to give you two pieces of advice and i've already said these already one is start small if you don't have a lot of trading experience You don't have a lot of trading knowledge. You haven't done the hard work in educating yourself on how to trade. Uh, I have no problem with a person at least getting a start, but start very small. And the second thing I would say is until you learn how to trade and really also how to analyze companies, because I'm really quite big now in in my latter years on understanding the fundamentals of the company, you really want to find a company that has growth potential. Um, If you don't understand those things, then stick with what you know. Stick with companies that are well-known, big brands, you know, Apple, Walmart, um, Starbucks, because those are the kinds of uh, companies that, you know, everyone has to buy, everyone has to own, all the big index firms have to buy it, the big hedge funds buy them. So even if you make a mistake in terms of your timing, uh you you'll you minimize your risk because because they are well-known names and they're not going to go away overnight um and and if you really want to try trading then start with those big well-known familiar names and start small those are the two things i would suggest
0: superb right last question of the show here thomas so uh before we wrap up what's the best way for traders to get hold of you
1: the best thing to do is go to our website, uh, www.drstocks.com. That's D-R-S-T-O-X-X.com. You can contact me through the site. I also am very active on StockTwits. You can follow me there, Dr. Stocks, at Dr. Stocks. Uh, I'm on on Twitter, uh, at Dr. Stocks. And we have a Facebook page, Dr. Stocks Facebook page, DrStocksTrading.com Facebook page. So those are ways you can get a hold of me.
0: Superb. Well look, a big thank you to Dr. Thomas Carr for sharing with us today. Everything we've discussed here along with all the links are in the show notes to find them. Simply search for Thomas. That's T-H-O-M-A-S in the search box on tradingnut.com. Until next time, I wish all my listeners trading happiness and success. All right guys, so there we go. Interview with Dr. Thomas Carr. Done and dusted. Hope you enjoyed that. Now if you do want a little bit more, we have got a video for you that's up on the Trading Nut YouTube channel and uh, where else can you find it? You can find it on the tradingnut.com website under Dr. Thomas Carr's show page. So go over there, check that out. Whilst you're there, check out the Robot Traders Club. As I said, we've got that strategy um, supplied by a listener out there called Elvin, who's also a member of the Robot Traders Club. Uh, Thanks for that, Elvin. So I might even do a little video on that and put that up on the YouTube channel as well. But guys, for now, you can go and check that out. If you want to join up, Give it a 14-day trial on the Robot Traders Club and check it out. Uh, What else can I tell you? Oh, look, next week we've got a Forex interview. So I know we've been quite stock heavy in the last few weeks, uh, but we've got a Forex one coming up. A little bit different, but very interesting. And, um, yeah, what else can I say? Oh, actually, yeah, a really good video on the end of it as well. All right, folks, until next time, have a great week, and I'll see you in the markets.